1: Alrighty guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabalcast. This week, we're getting back to something we've done in the past with sets. Mm-hmm. Preface this with saying we are recording this the week after, the week between pre-release and release. Yes. What we've done is each of us have picked three cards from the set without telling each other what the cards are. And it's cards that we think are appropriately priced, too high, or too low kind of like our version of a set review obviously more financially driven just based on what we see what we think etc yeah so with that let's get it started
0: yeah uh so i went through the spoiler and like i said at the top behind the scenes this this was a challenge for me because i wanted to stay away from a lot of the cards that were getting buzzed because those seem to be Uh, very surface level. I wanted to actually dive the spoiler and read through it, because when I've done that before for sets like Call Time, I found some really interesting things. Uh, That's where I I found uh, Ezekiel's Chariot and Realm Walker. If you go back to the episode, we talk about them both. And uh, while I don't think I'm going to have the same kind of success that I will there, when I read through the spoiler, it makes me feel a lot more confident in picking cards from the set and knowing what to look for just overall from Constructed play like i'm we've seen a lot of things going on with reality chip in modern and legacy whether that card pans out as kind of tbd but i wouldn't be looking for it if i hadn't heard a lot of buzz and read through the rest of the spoiler and say like okay this takes a place of like mystic forge and artifact combo decks kind of stuff so for me to start out with i'm looking at brilliant restoration because i think this card has an interesting parallel that not a lot of people might kind of key in on off the top and i'll bring it up on uh mythic spoilers. So, it's 3 Quad W Sorcery. Return all artifacts and enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. So, when I was reading through the spoiler, something I noticed is that they've kind of pumped up what you can do now with uh, enchantress themes in EDH. Then this slots right into EDH. So, my expectation is that this card, priced at 40 cents for the set version, is too low right now. Replenish is a reserveless card, that's like... Uh, probably close to 80 or 100. I have not checked the price on that card in a while, so get at me in the comments if you want to. But truly, I believe the Parallel is open the vaults from M10. Yeah. And this is a card that's sat at bulk. We can see it sitting at 58, 56 cents right before EDH really takes off. And it it ebbs and it flows, but it just jumps up, heading into uh, Theros and Call Time, Thera, Ikoria, etc., and it just lifts from a bulk rare about the same price as uh, Brilliant Restoration to a two and a half dollar card, and like this, this isn't huge. We're not going from bulk to fifteen, but that's still a very reasonable place to be, especially if you can buy in now and move it later. Yeah, percentage wise, I think that's a
1: huge return, and that was something I noticed as well. Was like this is, I guess, because you know, open the vaults and was a problem in modern it was a problem and extended so was Replenish this is their way of fixing it Yeah. but it slides right into EDH at 7 mana sure it's a 7 mana sorcery that actually might win you the game yes
0: uh, and there are plenty of 7 mana sorceries that don't win you the game Correct. and aren't bulk yeah uh, and for what it's worth I don't know I didn't mention the, the CMC or the mod of, value of open the vaults sorry it's 4 double white it's easier to cast from a white perspective but it still costs 6 brilliant yeah. costs 7 we're not that far apart on mana uh, monocost.
1: No. And the nice thing is in an enchantress deck, that mana cost doesn't really matter because most of the time they're running a bunch of enchantment fixing, like utopia sprawls and stuff like yep. that, that just help. Yes. So you can get it a little bit easier while you're casting it.
0: Exactly. Uh, and oftentimes when, you know, the, it's weird. It's like, you can either play equipment really aggressively. So you're a to of the ground or you can play a longer game. Some build into like Gisela and stuff like that you still might be able to cast this out of a deck like that if you go long. Yeah. So. I mean,
1: there's plenty of Signets and stuff that you can cast, too, that'll help with it. Exactly. I, I think it's a solid one. I uh, I, I kind of went the opposite. So yeah. you obviously went for, you know, cards that weren't getting hype. I was trying to look at cards that people were looking at and, like, what do I think about this? And honestly, uh, I think... I, I'll give a bonus here, too. Okay. Uh, Ao the Dawn Sky... All of the versions of that card are too cheap. This is another card that slides right into EDH. This is the one that, to me, probably is a little bit more busted than the other four in the cycle. Uh, being able to cheat stuff onto the play, yeah, total manual yeah. no value four or less, whatever. But it's something that slides into a reanimation shell that mm-hmm. lets you abuse the ever loving shit out of that effect. Yeah. Uh, it makes your dudes bigger and it makes more dudes, and it has a really aggressively costed body at five four for five with flying and vigilance. Um, of all the dragons, you know, most of them are like, oh, a big dumb dragon, you know, whatever is the hype that they're getting, you're getting the usual casual hype. This is the one that I think actually has the ability to see, like, spike play. So it's not just your casuals. Okay, yeah, yeah. But it seems to me that there is something there that could be busted with this. And I don't think it exists yet, because as Kaladesh spoilers taught us, if there is something that exists, it'll be spoiled right away.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: That that is not the case here. The other one that I, I will throw in as a bonus for all of you out there... Foil Mnemonic Sphere. Uh, why? Literally because of Popper. So obviously, Popper just got shaken up. It's a very affordable format to pimp. Foils are only 25 cents. This card is going in every Affinity list, which, as we saw, Affinity is still around in Popper. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a good pickup for a quarter. Plus, it's EDH. Uncounterable draw. You can't say no to that.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has the channel ability. This kind of reminds me of... Um... The capsules, yeah, it does uh, a lot. Yeah, it has that kind of feel. I actually like the White Dragon. I didn't read all of them. I kind of passed by because I, like there's this, this hype. Fine. Well, some of them have hype based on the original, right? Like anything you do to the red one makes it better, and the red yeah. one is already a com an infinite combo with Ashnod's Altar and Nim Death Bandle. You just keep equipping it and generating uh, and generate infinite mana be- with with uh, Ashnod's Altar uh, yeah. and the uh, uh, like same thing with Jugin, that was just a big dumb dragon I think Yosei was probably the most intricate of the bunch and the most and I say that and I don't mean that like oh, it comp, unlike Kokosho it takes a lot to get going Like no, you had to work to get that lock in place and there was a lot going on and that card sucked structured play in a combo where you essentially just locked your opponent out of their upkeeps or untaps I played it in Legacy Rexer Lark Pattern. Yeah, it, yep. I think you could do that in st- at standard all the way down, and yeah. it was probably the most like ticky tacky of the dragons. There's a lot going on, and the deck was really cool because it was kind of like tempo control, and you could just play out EOSes to just slow the, your opponent down by tapping their stuff. And I, I so I just kind of set aside like Ao and just never never read it, but I, I do like what it does. The effect we've seen similarly, uh, usually caps. So this is interesting. Yeah. What we've seen recently is when you're putting stuff onto the battlefield like this, it's up to a total amount of value. You don't yeah. just we have it's this weird thing to say that we haven't seen, but in reality it's just been recent where they've said no, we're going to cap the amount of mana value you can put onto the battlefield. But no, AO. Thanks Coco. Yeah, exactly, you're right. But AO says no, you get six and as long as they're four or less, drop it in. It it is basically like a better uh, you know, collected company in that regard. And okay. so I do like that cuz like you said, I I, I didn't look at, at some of these things, and so I just didn't read the the White Dragon. I thought it capped, so that, that that's on me. Swinging back over, I'm still sticking in uh, Enchantress land, and I'm looking at Kami of Transience. And card is insane. I I think so too. Uh, when I noted this, it was a thirty-two cent rare, and the reason I picked this is because this is the finisher in in Enchantress. It's a two-two for two. It has trample whenever you cast an enchantment spell it doesn't even have to resolve put a plus one plus one counter on kami of transients at the beginning of each end step if an enchantment was put into your graveyard from the battlefield this turn you may return kami of transients from your graveyard to your hand so it's basically a recurring threat and a lot of the enchantments that we're seeing in kamigawa play like they're from thoros where they're actually creatures so you can get value off of that. You, you have a number of sacrifice engines available to you to, because they're creatures that you didn't have before. So Kami works in, in multiple ways. And I really like this coming out of the deck because it seems like no matter what format you're playing it in, you're I don't want to say you're short on threats, uh, in EDH you definitely are because you have to vary right you have to have a certain number of them but your games might play out the same all the time at least the more as you add more threats and make your game plan more complex this feels better overall and I don't really have a good parallel for this one there's like Satessan Champion out of Theros that's seeing an uptick recently but I think that's because of modern play I, I've just heard people talking about it recently in such a way that it doesn't seem like it's popping off, but it might be. And that's really it, because it does two things. Satess Champion grows and draws you a card whenever you cast an enchantment. Yeah, I, I think this is
1: one of the better threats in the set long term. I think it's going to kind of fly under the radar for a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think eventually it's going to hit big. Yeah, Because uh, Enchantress, you know, having to use something like uh, Words of Wilding I think has been the popular one recently in Words of War, in Legacy
0: War is uh, red, Wilding is green green, That's, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and then in Modern, just like having what, Tempest Spinner I think That's is easy. what they use yeah, this this is just another threat for them to have that grows mm-hmm. and gives them a much better late game yep uh, I, I think it's great, it pressures removal in a way that like sure, pending at 2 still gets it yep yeah but you've got to have pending or path and this is another finisher so it's not just destiny spinner it's now kami of transients as well yeah which i think is huge
0: exactly like not being able not having protection i think is fine it costs two i like trample on this thing instead because it just punches through and and it gets at it in modern, and you mentioned even in EDH, people play like Utopia Sprawls on a lot of these enchantments that replace themselves. Well, that's perfect. Just redrawing your way through, even without enchanters' presence, is huge, especially for something like this. So, yeah,
1: solid. So, you think that? Do you think that was that a bonus pick, or do you think that's appropriate? Oh, uh,
0: just straight up, I think this is going to be like Brilliant Restoration. I, yeah. Like I said, my third one's going to be a little off the walls, but I think these two they're going to dovetail into my pick beautifully, and I I have a lot to say. I okay. have... A lot to say about enchantments
1: so the card that i think is priced appropriately is lion sash sitting at about three to five dollars on most websites it's yes it's scavenging use 2.0 you can fetch it with stoneforge everything's been discussed ad nauseum people who think this card is going to be a 15 to 20 dollar card are out of their minds this this is at most a five dollar card for now yeah eventually we may see it reach ten dollars but that's like a year or two from now. I don't think that's in the near term. Uh, I still think Scavenging Ooze is a little bit better in Legacy just because you can Green Sun for it. Uh, and that's a lot easier to do than Stoneforge. Obviously, this dodges removal a little bit better. Um, I, I think it's solid. I think mm-hmm. this effect, especially, watch out for it in Eternal formats. Uh, your Modern and your Legacy is where, if this card does see a surge in price, that's where you're going to see it.
0: I would agree.
1: Is is going to be its play there. Um, and I, I think that's important because obviously we have motor results mm-hmm. where Kamigawa Neon Dynasty is legal. So we're starting to see a little bit of a metagame change happen where we're seeing what impact these cards are having and we're seeing a little bit of like, yeah, obviously it's a new set. People are going to experiment. Yes. But cards like Lion Sash and Scavenging Ooze, those like just solid graveyard hate cards are always good absolutely and this this is one that i think is at this point at least appropriately priced and i think at you know three to five dollars pick them up if you need them
0: yeah I, I think the important part behind that price is that it's set it's priced appropriately to what it's going to be which is either going to be a one of in the main deck or a sideboard option this isn't going yeah. to change an archetype it's not going to breed anything new it's just going to be a nice to have uh there is a point in time in legacy Oh jeez, I'm going to really date myself with this one. Circa 2012, uh, shortly before the core set, before Innistrad, there it is, where Thopter Foundry was huge in Legacy, yep. and it was just this time for some reason. Uh, people were still jamming Stoneforge, the Esper, Stoneblade decks weren't there because we didn't have Lingering Souls, so yep. what were people doing with equipment that would cause Manriki Gusari to pick up in price? Just GTA and Sword. And yeah. Menreiki Gusari is a sideboard option that comes in for a deck that wants to slow down and control. And that's where I see a Lion Sash existing, yeah. as a deck that wants to slow down and control. There are a litany of other Stoneforge targets that are above this in terms of utility all over the place, but this is one of the better options to go fish for out of your sideboard. Even in Modern, if you're playing uh, Hammer Time with the... Fifth Dawn Sorcery that lets you go. Maybe it's an instant tutor for an equipment card. I can't remember it off the top of my head right now. Steel Shaper's, Steel shaper's gift. gift. This is a fine sideboard card uh, against something that just wants to lock you out or play a fast game from the graveyard. Uh, the Archon of Cruelty reanimation deck. Like, if you're not... If it's as fast as Hammer Time, you have the ability to slow down, and this is a card that kind of offers you a twofer because it gets bigger, and you can put that on your Nexus and delve them in time. I, I think this is yep. a really good really good card and uh, priced appropriately. Coming back over here, I I can give you a bonus pick because it is related. A card that costs way too much right now is Artificer's Intuition from uh, Fifth Dawn. Mirror or Fifth Dawn. Fifth Dawn. And I don't care what the price is because it's too much. It doesn't matter what it is, it's too much. But it costs too much because of the third card on my list, which is the one, like I said, I'm going to go sideways on you Containment Construct. Okay, so Containment Construct says whenever you discard a card, you may exile the card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play a card this turn. That's it. End of story. It's a 2-1 for 2. But it'll just degeneracy all over the place. So Artificer's Intuition essentially just lets you go search for your Lion's Eye Diamonds, then your LEDs, your Lotus. If you're 0 mana or Affinity Mana spells, that generate mana because they cast for 0 or close to 0 and it becomes this tutor package that allows you to, to generate infinite mana. If you wanna do that, what people are seeming to find out in Legacy is that you should not be doing that. You should just be playing Bomberman instead without Artificer's Intuition. It slows you down overall. So Intuition, too high. Containment Construct at dollar twelve. I think this is too low. I think this is a solid 3 to $5 uncommon until the end of time reprint equity on this one is probably really high because this is an artifact and the wizards likes throwing us discard effects here and there in standard so who's to say we don't get something that kind of improves that over time we got i I mean i mentioned it before avarice dragon i thought that card was going to do a lot more you just discarded four cards we had madness coming up It's like sweet this is going to do something but not really but all those cards that you discarded Avarice Dragon to get something well ahead of Curve, well, now you can play them back. Firestorm gets way better when you can exile uh, a hand of seven and then play all those cards back. I think this card is going to find some long term ho- uh, a long-term home and long-term utility in EDH. Beyond that, we'll probably see a lot of weird wonky shells built around this. I would guess some legacy and vintage more so than modern or anything newer, just because the ability to generate uh, mana at an advantage like you need to doesn't really exist in modern and newer formats. Like I said, it's basically Lotus Effects, LED sorry, uh, yep, Lotus Effects meaning LED and actual Black Lotus Lotus Petal and I can't remember if we... Rituals like, the the nice thing I will say is, you know, you
1: can search for four LEDs with intuition with this card crack them all and it's just Yes. because you get that and I, I that's why I get the hype Right. Yeah. People are excited because we get Yogg's Will and Legacy, but it's like a three card combo Yogg Will, Mm -hmm. which it turns out is way worse than Yogg Will. Yes. It's still a Yogg Will, but I agree. Artificer's Intuition. I mean, like, the buy list on Card Kingdom is $6 right now. It was a 25 cent card. Exactly. exactly. It was a bulk rare. And this isn't a case of, like, we're a card away from being busted. No, it's not that at all. But I, I agree that I think long term, yeah, this is definitely. A two to three dollar uncommon yeah. i mean the foils right now and there are infinite i think the gaming co has 200 and something oh listed boy, uh,
0: 236 at the gaming co for 333 yeah it's weird the, the more i went i said up front maybe midway through spoiler spoilers that financially the set looked like the letter u there's a lot of financial pre, uh pressure on a handful of rares and mythics and a handful of uncommons and everything that isn't those is just in a valley and like, you know, it's essentially propped up by Boseju and some re- some comments that are just really picking up that are powerful. thing like containment construct is probably on the low end of that spectrum. But the yeah. more you dive the spoiler and you more the more you start looking at movement uh, for price and then start looking through EDH you're going to see that there's just a lot of low end stuff that's just like up 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 up. And I think that's appropriate for this set, and I'm really excited for it. But it is kind of weird financially. Yeah, and I think uh, you know,
1: it's weird because. I haven't. I don't recall seeing the high high and the low lows mm-hmm. in a set like this until after it was released. I mean, obviously, you have your traditional mythic floors up here, rare floors here, whatever yeah. that you see. This this is, and I think it's by merit of literally just being, honestly, I think one of the most well-designed sets in literal years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have what seems like a healthy financial economy around a set. Yeah. Uh, like I, I mean, obviously, you know, cracking packs is bad. But when you have cards like Soul Transfer and stuff in the rare slot that seem like this card is really good, right? It, it does. It creates this unique U set where you have Boseju and, like, you know, Phyrexian Tamio. and then you have all these playable cards at the bottom of the U, and you're like, there's so much opportunity there for those cards to grow financially.
0: Yeah. Uh, One of the cards has... I had on my list, Secluded Courtyard, is the uh, uncommon uh, tribal. Land, yeah, that land's ridiculous. Yeah, it it makes a colorless or a uh, for your for your tribe, that has a, a higher price tag than Mythics in this yeah. set, at three dollars.
1: That's literally more than Ao is. Yeah, right. And and we have secluded courtyard printed
0: how many times now? <laughs> like ancient ziggurat exists, right? Yep. This is like the third or the fourth one. Yeah. Yeah. It's And it's just, it's strictly better. And that, that's what, uh, that's why I noticed it's really interesting. And it was on my list of cards that I thought were underpriced for the moment, but I, it's like $3 away is like probably appropriate for this card. Unless humans yeah. takes off in modern, then you know, God help us. Yeah. And then different story. Maybe it is a $10 uncommon. Yeah. Uh, speaking of u sets
1: and financial pressure, and this is in stark, contract to me, stark contrast to me picking the card. Boseju. $30? Too much money. This this is a card that's similar to Lion Sash. Uh, there are very few lists that are going to run want to run more than two of this card. I think Legacy Lands may end up at three or four, but they probably just want the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, $30 for a card that is primarily, obviously, great in EDH, so there's a lot of play to it there. Uh, but for a card that primarily seems like a constructed answer it isn't a four of seems a little wrong to me
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I think you know EDH pressure long term obviously $15 may be too low but don't forget we also have a borderless and an alt art version of this card applying downward pressure to the set card Mm -hmm. so $30 for that in non foil seems like a lot I can't remember the last time we had a $30 rare not mythic rare for an in print standard set Uro and Oco, Mythics.
0: I don't remember a rare that held that price point. The only one I can think of is Cavern of Souls, but that was because that standard environment was so rancid because of Delver. Yeah. But I don't think that really crested twenty-five. Like I just, no. They were very easy to get, and people wanted to get rid of them because they were just easy, easy, easy. Uh, yeah. There's, I, I was looking at uh, a real quick just for price groupings. The the second most expensive of the channel lands is the blue one at seven dollars. Then white at five, black at four, red at three. I think that black one may be the best of the cycle for EDH. I would agree. Getting a planeswalker back seems real tight, real, 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 real tight. Real fucking good. Yeah, but I I agree. I think there's you look at dawn glare and it's just ridiculous. Like the visualization on this set is just ridiculous. pop it up real quick like Busage is just so far out it, it costs almost double the most expensive planeswalker in the set which is the wandering emperor below between those two is Jenga taxes and I kind of get that but I think a lot of this is going to like I think these two cards are going to settle down towards like 10 to 15 there's just so much hype right now especially again we're we're still technically in the pre-release window it'll be a couple of days before TCG players starts like just tanking prices but I wouldn't be surprised when Besaidu just tumbles. Yeah, appropriately. I it's you know, and like I said when I picked, it's a
1: ra- it's going to be a race to the bottom yeah. with this card, yeah. and I think long term, the nice thing about all of these cards is, I genuinely believe this will be the most open set possibly ever.
0: Yeah. Oh, I I agree. This set looks bonkers. Reading through it, I was actually like, I, I hemmed and hawed about the topic, not because of your pun for the title. <laughs> which will be the live episode title, but there's just so much to the set that's enjoyable, more so than I thought during spoiler season because I saw every card 15 fucking times on Twitter. And I just didn't want to read it and I didn't want to deal with it. But coming back and looking at it in between, like at this point in time, it made me really appreciate what Watsi did for this set. And I really do understand the hype around it. A lot of this stuff is really cool. And one of the things I think it does is actually kind of a tone for kamigawa block and yeah. i don't mean like the problem that was jitae or sway the stars as a as a deck but i just mean how rancid that block was for the game yeah it,
1: it and that's that's the thing that really got me when they announced this set and color me surprised yeah when they announced this set i'm like why are we going back to kamigawa that block was garbage that that was just bad and far be it for me to ever say that Wizards of the Coast did something right. Wizards of the Coast may have done something right. By accident,
0: purely we are. purely by accident here. <laughs> yeah. But yep, yeah, I've been I've been enjoying it. I, I think this said it's it, it makes sense as to why it's just going to fly off the shelves if it, if it does the way people are kind of expecting. From what I've been hearing, it seems like draft packs are kind of being left to rot, but man, people are eating up set packs because that's where actual cards are. Like, and not even because of the chance to hit alt arts and stuff like that, but just because, you know, an illegitimate curated experience for a set that people are having a great time with. And I'm, yeah, I, I couldn't be more happy to actually have taken a read through this set. Yeah, I, it's, it, it. I mean, I don't even think strictly worse welter is that bad
1: and and that's no. i'm still like yeah that's, that's fine yeah exactly I, I could live with that exactly like it's it's absurd but here we are yeah. and it's great
0: yep it, the entire set is a mea culpa from watsi for the first comic album yeah good job guys you ready for picks let's do actual it. picks yeah All right. so like i said i'm gonna have a lot to say about enchantments today because my pick is sanctum weaver so this is a card i've been watching on my own for a while but i haven't been like personally but i haven't had on my little tracker spreadsheet because i was like why why would i ever put this on the sheet it just seems like a lame duck all it does is sit here and rope and then i read through the kamigawa spoiler and i was like holy crap did i miss not putting this on my list two weeks ago so right now sanctum weaver is about 250. this is a zero two enchantment creature Reserve list functional reprint. This is the card, Sarah's Sanctum, slightly better, depending on who you ask. Yeah. So, CK's buying 240 right now. This is more than when I wrote this a couple days ago. 240, they were buying 220. Still at the same price though, $1.40. So, there's a delta. Uh, you can't really arbitrage, but you're close. TCG had about 290 unique prices at $2.35 uh, was basically market and that was on Valentine's Day I went through and I was just like oh boy look at this card so Sanctum Weaver plays one way it's enchantment related play patterns and that's about it but it could be Enchantress meaning you're just playing a lot of enchantments overall, just not auras. You can play Voltron, where you are auraing up. You can Pillow Fort with your enchantments, which is more of like a Feldegriffy thing. You can play Shrines and anything else. But if you're playing enchantments and green, this should be in your 99. And one of the things that I held off with was I wasn't quite sure exactly what was going on on EDHREC EDH with enchantments and auras themes but you just pop in and you're like okay show me the top commanders for this is I'll sh- show you guys this is the enchantment theme green 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 there's two the esper and that's it esper are the only versions of this yep. deck that don't run green that's Amanatu, I think the Planeswalker that's the basically the only way you play Esper, and then you look at the Auras themes on here and after Mono White and Mono Blue because they're listed that way for some reason it's green, then Gruul, selesnia Naya, Bant five color, there's green all the way down and what is one of the highest popular like the card that is one of the most popular in all of these combinations it is Sanctum Weaver it, it's just great. It, it is and it's ridiculous now this is a solid alternative to Sarah Sanctum like I said which is a reserveless card but notably weaker on the surface as a creature though within the theme you can protect this fairly easy easily Sarah Sanctum is a land not everybody is really playing targeted land removal anymore so that kind of makes Sarah Sanctum a little stronger but Sanctum only makes white so it is a little more limiting as this is an enchantment itself it does double-dip on cards like Sterling Grove and Greater Oromancy, making it a bit more robust, albeit with a little more work, essentially gaining Shroud from, two, from un, a litany of other encha- uh, just enchantments, not even auras, that yeah. sit natively in these in these decks. So the deeper you dig into the enchantment and aura themes on EDHREC, you start to see that both coalesce around the color green. This is auras and uh, enchantments. This, that opens up to see this card rise in popularity and become a fixture fixture alongside Destiny Spinner, which was a pick of mine shortly after, whatever, Theros. Yeah. Because I said, this helps you close out the game. This is super good. Your enchantments can't be countered. Awesome. Sanctum Weaver allows you to explode onto the board and power through your deck with quote-unquote en- enchantress effects getting out ahead quickly. And what I mean by Enchantress effects are the redraw effects. Enchantress's presence is a throwback to our Gothian Enchantress, which has yep. a color shift into Mesa Enchantress. It's just whenever you cast an enchantment spell, draw a card. So even late in the game, this lets you catch up and pull ahead, making this a powerful option in all, strategy, in all stages of the game as a quote-unquote budget Sarah's Sanctum. And as always, any creature that can tap for at least 5 mana combos with Staff of Domination. Tapping for 4 mana lets you combo with Umbral Mantle, but because this taps for mana of any one color, tapping for 2 blue lets you combo with both Penman Zora and Freed from the Real, all for infinite mana. Staff of Domination lets you draw through your deck. Umbral Mantle lets you make your entire uh, board state gigantic because it's untap for 3 Hey, three colorless, untap your yep. creature. It gets plus three, plus O. Oh. So you just make something super big. Like, yep. So considering the breadth of the commander format, we're looking at a highly flexible card that can play in almost any fashion. And that's, again, what I really like about this card. It goes everywhere, even if you want to pillow up with Ford, with Feldegriff.
1: I, I think the other thing about this is that in addition to the absurd edh playability of this unlike Sarah's sanctum you can have four of this on the board at once so in modern yes when enchantress happens which i actually have at two lgs's two different people that play enchantress in modern they think it's fun yes great as people start building this this is going to take off and i've actually been stockpiling the full arts because the full arts are the same
0: price oh boy do i have more talking points for you yeah sorry oh it's fine i you looked like you had something to say so i wanted to i wanted to take a breather yeah. and give you some time before i got to the timeline reprint and uh, other things timeline i think enchantments and auras specifically are currently being outshined by ninjas rats rogues and shrines so we need the heat on those to drop a little bit before people begin focusing on some of the wider themes available to us asterix we'll come back combined with a waning supply of MH2 and what looks like moderate demand on the open market. I think we're safe to start looking to out this in about six months into the open market, probably closer to nine for buy list. Asterix. Taking a look at the top 10 commanders and creatures on EDH rec right now, we are seeing Sithis, Harvest's Hand, which is at least the two of them in the modern Enchantress list as the to- one of the top commanders. Goshintai of Life's Origin, that's the mono. That's the five color. Jeez, oh I hate this. It's a green uh, shrine with a five color identity <laughs> as a top commander. Jukai Naturalist, which is an uncommon from the set and made my list originally, and uh, is a redraw effect, I believe, if not a lord in the sense that reduces the mana value. Weaver of Harmony, which is also in this set and made my list. And the uncommon Goshintai's, just all of them, floating around in the in uh, the top ten creatures, quote unquote. Even though the shrines don't have creature types, so whatever. So yeah. people are looking to enchantment-based themes right now, but at very but at very specific builds. So while this information is encouraging, we want to see more generals and quote unquote themes pop up. We just don't want like specifically Sithis and Goshintai. We want to see like Earl the Miststalker. Stalker. Like that kind of stuff, yeah. pick up. But a lot of those cards I just listed off that are in at least base green go it can go in the modern enchantress build, like it, they just slot right in. And like you said, people just like playing that deck for whatever reason, despite the fact that it doesn't pick up it didn't pick up a lot of like equity in the format. However, there's a lot of green enchantment love in this set, which plays into that. Read for an equity on this kind of card. I think it's fairly low now as we head away from what was expected to be the largest enchantment base set, but we could see a reprint in Jumpstart if they add an enchantment theme of sorts. Though I don't really expect that kind of quantity to affect our bottom line on this. I just think it's just a little bit extra demand, and I'm not basing Jumpstart, quantity, Jumpstart 2 quantity on Jumpstart 1 quantity because we know there is a print issue yeah. with uh, the first couple printings. I know there will be more but it's like price point and just like entertainment value push people off of that product it seems like bruvac is finally coming down and that seemed to uh, that seemed to be like one of the best cards in the set for EDH in general yeah and the rider is down to like 50 60 bucks now yeah. from
1: 200 yep, for a while exactly
0: so. uh, as far as buy quantity is concerned and this is something i wanted to start adding in recently this is something that chicago style gaming's really talked about it's like if you're going to listen to somebody for finance and they don't tell you what kind of skin they ha- skin they have in the game how could you really trust them um, Yeah. so Personally, I've picked up a mixed set of extended art to the tune to- of regular and and uh mic- and extended art yeah. to the tune of about six play sets. But I think you're fine going wider until this reaches about $4, like wider and taller. I think you're fine yeah. just buying in, right? So that's like, twenty. I just picked up literally 24 copies after pushing this into Discord, plus the random ones that I've picked up locally. Because I keep, I'm a sucker for this card and I just keep buying it. So I think that's like yeah. close to 30 overall. Um. Would I like to pick up some more of this? Yes, absolutely, but I think there's a little more money to be made in this set, so I want to go a little wider, specifically with some of the cards that we've talked about today. and and A, a lot of the things that I highlighted in this conversation, which is made available uh for our patrons in, in the notes, there's a lot of specific targets I want to try and hit, and I'll pro- especially the uncommons, I'm probably going to pick up, not like a brick, but probably close to it for some of the stuff.
1: There's so many good uncommons in this set. Yeah. It's absurd All right uh i will say when you're talking about reprint reprint equity i think the thing to keep in mind and we cannot ignore this anymore because secret layers exist wizards clearly cares about the secondary market yep. they are trying to take notice i think you're going to see cards like sphere of safety reprinted before you'd see sanctum weaver i mean spheres like a three dollar buy list right now at card kingdom yep. just for an uncommon and they're not you know bloom weaver is less than that retail so i or sorry sanctum weaver is yeah. less than that retail i don't see reprint happening uh for my pick and this is going to dovetail nicely because two of my three picks from this episode were in this deck my pick is noble hierarchy so i'm specifically citing there was a deck that top 16th the modern challenge not too long ago uh earlier this week that was a Yorion list that was just green white taxes, and it was running forbo seju it was running lion sash and it was obviously abusing Yorian, because that's what you do with the deck. Yeah, uh, We're coming off an all-time low for the Conflux that was literally February 12th. So four days prior to recording this episode, it hit its all-time low. This is a card that just doesn't go away. It doesn't matter how many times it's reprinted, it doesn't matter what decks it's in or not, this card does not go away. It doesn't currently see a ton of play in modern although i think we may see more play coming up yep. because we've got a lot of cards in bant all of a sudden that are looking real good mm-hmm. uh i think anytime you can get on something that is a four of staple right after an all-time low is a great time to get in on a card i think based on historical price trends we may be looking at about six to eight months for this to come back i also don't think we get it in the next master set we just had it in double masters with alt art full art, whatever variations it was i don't think they're likely to print it so the fact that we're coming off this all-time low we're at a low point for reprint equity and we're starting to see paper events fire mm-hmm. the scg con happened and the modern event filled so much that they literally said we still have hundreds of people asking we'll run another modern 10k just impromptu two weeks before the event said yeah we'll Let's add another, another one if it's getting that popular then you have to start looking at these staples yeah. because this is what we've been harping on for months now as we've been taking our picks is we're hitting that critical mass where all of a sudden these paper events are starting to happen and you're going to start to see prices explode mm-hmm. because guess what people want to play magic Absolutely. and everybody plays modern so pick up your modern stuff So timeline-wise, we're probably at this point looking at about late summer, early fall. So like six-ish months, somewhere around there is when I would imagine you'd be able to profitably get out of this. Mm -hmm. Be that trade, buy list, whatever. Uh, I think if you buy in now at retail, obviously you won't be able to make money on buy listing then. But this card is just something that people always need, and they always need an EDH set. They either need one or four or five that's it that's all you ever need with this unless you're on the weird maverick list like me that are running three of this and one birds of paradise for some reason Uh, I play pod yeah I play pod it's great Uh, I think that personally I'm literally sitting on about 20 of these right now Um, I don't want to sit on more than 10 just because I want to churn Mm -hmm. and honestly just based on what I've seen locally there have been a ton of people looking for hierarchs for modern uh, you're starting to see more of these taxes lists show up. You're starting to see people try out Bant Infect again for some reason. I don't know. The black version's strictly better, but here we are. Uh, I just think that in terms of like inventory stuff, you're coming off. If you were a vendor, an all-time low for this backpacker, whatever. I just got three notifications today that in the state of Missouri, there's 1Ks or 5Ks, three of them coming up in the next two months. So pay attention to your local area. If there's a bunch of these events happening, pick these up, take them. Yeah, you can't lose if you're trading it out of a binder at margin. Insane. You cannot possibly lose. I I just think this is right time, right atmosphere. We're just about to start exploding with these events. It feels like um, SCG Cons we have for the next two months. I would expect an announcement before too long that they're going to start expanding those, uh, especially with SCG Con Indie which historically, for those of you that don't know or haven't followed for very long, Indy is one of the most well-attended event cities for nerd stuff in the country. Yep,
0: it's amazing.
1: Huge turnouts every time. That may actually be the impetus for this card to explode, where we start to see these modern staples, all of a sudden Star City says, well, we sold out of all of them, so maybe we want to hot list them. And since there's no other paper game in town, it's just like the early days of the Star City tour when they would rotate Modern prices with Legacy prices based on what events Mm -hmm. were happening. So that's an added wrinkle for this that could very likely lead to an increase in price.
0: (laughs) There's a lot going on with, one, this list, and then two, Noble Hierarch. The first is that in the three drop slot, there's a pick of mine from a couple weeks ago, Ramming Up Excavator. There is. Because you can't leave home without them in a taxa-style list in Modern. You just have to have them, no matter what you're doing. Noble Hierarch, for me, always sits in this weird spot because... For me, the longest time playing Modern, Noble Hierarch and Birds of Paradise were legal side by side, and as long as you didn't need, like, as long as you could use at least one of the other colors on Noble Hierarch, you played it over Birds. I mentioned pod earlier. That was a base Golgari deck. Uh, you happen to have some white elements here and there that you could cast off the white hand side. Otherwise, it was high arcs over birds. Now we have Ignoble as well pulling its weight, and it kind of shores it up. I would probably play Ignoble in pod because it makes black mana, which was better for that deck. But <clears throat> moving throughout the history of modern, Noble High Arc started to become more of a fair mana creature than it was an unfair mana creature. Yeah, You like the the eldrazi lists uh bant eldrazi which turned into spirits now humans still runs noble hierarchs it's a human it pumps the team that's very fair but then on the other side of things you mentioned infect well when you're not playing the black green version which can still run one of these hierarchs you have the base simic one which runs nobles because that pumps up your ink moth nexus and, uh, Noble Hierarch gives you the backdoor win of actual combat damage. You also have Heliod Ballista combo, whatever you want to call that deck. And Noble just it has become this like silent pillar of monodorks in the modern format that nobody really wants to seem to talk about and never gets the credit it deserves because these decks are either really fair and thus have a hard time or are combo decks. So when people figure out how to play against them, it kind of fades. But you can always move Noble Hierarch because somebody wants to play one of these decks or they want to play a Taxes decks. These aren't just decks that have dedicated followings. People just move in and out and Noble Hierarchs are a great place to start. If you play Modern, you should have your set of Birds and you should have your set of Nobles and you should have your set of ignobles. That's just the way it works because you need your mana base for these formats. And Nobles right now are no longer $75 a piece. So it is, like you said, the perfect time to buy in. I spent $20 on each when i got mine and like i didn't i don't think i got fleeced because i could have moved them when they were 75 each but i didn't because i was playing them like i needed the card and i feel really good about the fact that it's kind of trending back to reality now after 18 reprintings like you noted double masters and ultimate masters and modern masters too by the way i
1: there's I just don't see unless all of a sudden this becomes the Tarmogoyf of oh, yeah. Master's sets, which I don't think it
0: will. Uh, I, uh, man, Tarmogoyf is my favorite magic joke of the last couple of years because its home's, its base plane is just the Master's set. It's great. It has yeah. no home. It doesn't
1: have a plane anymore. It's just the Master's plane. Yeah.
0: That's where it lives. Yeah, and I and I, I, love Noble High Arch. I doubt we'll even get it if we go back to Alara. Oh. It's not like Exalted was the worst keyword to have, but they tried it in Corsets and it just doesn't doesn't seem to play well anymore. And they probably they, I would assume they would rather explore some of the other keywords available to them that they could create when we go back to Alara. All that's I okay yeah. It's it seems like they're
1: way more about like a ground barricade than just one dude swinging in and getting yeah. it now. Yeah, they Like just design wise Exalted doesn't fit with their design
0: philosophy anymore. Correct. Sublime Archangel was like the only way that uh, Exalted really yeah. worked from a playstyle. That was the corset uh, reference and otherwise yeah igno- Noble is just a great staple. People are going to yeah. want it. It is very much a binder card. You have it. People want it for whatever reason and it's a card you should definitely keep on you if you are backpacking anywhere chances are it will go and i think this is another good pick for upcycling something that is just kind of off forgotten about so but yeah i really like it and i'm looking forward to see what comes out of these master sets because i honestly did not realize it was in all of them yeah (laughs) so I don't, like I said, I don't think we need another reprint. It would be nice to see this get shelved for a hot minute, and I'd like to see this become uh, more of a feature of the modern format than what we're seeing currently. I think modern might be a little too fast overall for it to really be, for monodorks like this to really be kind of a pillar of the format, but I am excited when we do see a list like this that can slow the game down a little bit and really make them shine by going from turn one to turn three effectively. You know, you get Thalia and keep up a path. Cool. Well, not really, because it costs you two. So you can't cast it, but you can pass it and then thaw you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all in all, uh, I like the pick, and I'm excited to see where this goes. And that's all I've got for this week, though. Anything else? That's it for me. So uh, we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Patreon, YouTube, and Facebook. If you are watching the video, you're on YouTube, so you already know about that. You can find the podcast anywhere you can listen to a podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us directly... As I mentioned, you can hit us up on Twitter at MTG Cabalcast. Otherwise you can hit me up at Halt I am Reptar. You are at Thirsty So see like- you next week.